Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everybody. It's Mike. Wanted to remind you that Carefree Highway Revisited will be closing up shop for a few weeks, the month of August and the first couple of weeks of September. Um, as I said last week, the reason I'm doing this is because the school year is starting and I really want to focus my energies on getting into the school year without any distractions. Those of you who are in the teaching field know what I'm talking about. You know the strain of a new year, and I'm sure you can understand that. Those of you who have never been teachers, trust me, there's a lot of energy involved, a lot of cycles, and not a lot of room for distractions. So please don't worry. This is not the end of the program. We're going to begin season two on or about September 15th of 2022. We have a lot of guests booked through the fall and the winter and even into the early spring, but I am going to take a few weeks just to focus on my day job and then we'll be back with more songs. Okay, on with the show. The first guest of the evening is truly a poet. He's an artist. He is a friend and an inspiration to anyone who I think who has ever played the guitar or tried to write poetry. Would you please welcome Gordon Lightfoot? It's so nice to meet an old friend and pass the time of day and talk about the hometown a million miles away. Is the ice still in the river? Are the old folks still the same? And by the way, did she mention my name? This is Carefree Highway Revisited, the show that celebrates the work of Gordon Lightfoot Song by Song, a proud member of the That's Not Canon podcast network. I'm your host, Mike Messner. And along with me today is a fellow Lightfoot fan from Arlington, Virginia, Jim Thorne. Jim, welcome to Carefree Highway Revisited. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell me, how did you first get into Gordon Lightfoot's music? I'm old enough that I remember when the songs were being released back in the 1970s. And uh, I have an older sister who was dating a guy and they broke up and their song was if you could read my mind. And uh, she asked me to never play that <laughs> <laughs> because it would make her sad. So I was careful never to play it around her. But that would be early 1970s when uh, the songs were first coming out. Oh, fantastic. What do you like about Lightfoot's music generally? I love the storytelling aspect of it and the fact that it, it draws you in. It's so autobiographical, mostly. He told these story songs that were compelling at that time, the singer-songwriter genre, I guess. And also, I was influenced by the late, great Jim Croce and John Denver, which is where I learned how to play the guitar along with his records. And over the years, I've been very fortunate to make friends with Jim Croce's widow, Ingrid, and uh, she's encouraged me to do my own singing and songwriting. But uh, yeah, that he, he was part of a group there that was extremely popular and influential to me. 
Yeah, Croce is one that we lost way too soon. You're talking about three people that were just immensely influential in my younger years, although I came along a little bit after their uh, particular popularity peak. How many times have you seen Lightfoot in concert and what was the most outstanding performance to you? I have only seen him once live in concert, and that was at a place called Wolf Trap, which is in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, That's one of those places where they count down until the moment you're allowed to run into the grass field with your blanket, and you race in there as a group and try to grab a piece of grass and sit down. (laughs) And that was, boy, that was probably almost 20 years ago now. uh, I, I would say The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald was my favorite performance that he did that night, if that's if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I can see sort of the lights coming up and him opening with that song because it's just so essential to the experience. Have you ever met Lightfoot? No, I'm afraid I have not, although I've written to him. I wrote a a comic additional verse to Did She Mention My Name? I wrote it into a letter and got the current address and mailed it off to him. I don't know if I'll ever hear back or not, but I've at least tried. Okay, very cool. Well, today we're talking about Did She Mention My Name from the 1968 album of the same name. It's his third studio album. And I wanted to know, why did you want to talk about it in particular on the show? I'm in a folk band in the D.C. area called Shenandoah Run. And we do a lot of cover songs. We love Gordon. We love Bob Dylan. But we also do a few originals. I'm a songwriter and we've had other band members. But my band leader at one point asked me if I would do, did she mention my name? Because he really liked the song. And so I had to learn it. And in doing that, I I noticed some things about the musical structure and so on that perhaps we could uh, discuss as we go. I think for me, the reason that I love the song so much is that it's a reflection that pretty much everybody has had or an experience that pretty much everybody has had where they've moved away from their hometown, but they have an old flame and they're just wondering, you know, how are they doing? Lightfoot has said, and I'm quoting here directly, it goes back to your high school sweetheart. You know, you're never going to date her again, but you meet up with a friend from the hometown and you ask after her and about all the other things you've missed since you moved away. You want to reconnect with your roots. And I think it's true whether you're going off to college or whether you've just moved away for a job or for whatever reason, that it's a nostalgic song. And being a history teacher, of course, I get paid to be nostalgic in some ways. Jim, what is the perfect setting for you to listen to or to play this song? Is there a specific time of day? Is there an activity? Are you going anyplace? What's the perfect setting? Well, I certainly like to listen to it over a good quality sound production, you know, such as uh, AirPods or something like that, where you get that full rich sound. And in that case, it doesn't really matter time of day so much. However, interestingly, again, because I get to play this song and sing lead on it with my band, and often we're with perhaps at a large venue or where it may be a rehab center or a retirement home, the people there remember it from when it was released, you know, and, and they love it too. And we have, as human beings, had this common experience of wondering what happened to the people that we knew way back when. And the conversational pieces in that song, asking about how the old folks are doing and is the landlord still who he is, all that kind of stuff is a common experience. 
And I'd say my favorite time to play it, and by play it, I mean perform it, is with my band in the evening when we're doing a nostalgia show for folks. That's just an extremely rewarding experience. Yeah, I have never actually sat down and played it on guitar, although I certainly could. And I have played For Love and Me, which is another part of the medley. We'll talk about that in a second or two. For me, this is one of the rarefied Lightfoot songs where my mind doesn't go to a particular activity or a particular place or a particular time of day. I could listen to that song anywhere, anytime, and it would always make me happy. It's not one of those where I think, okay, well, I've got to listen to this song and the perfect time is going to be going through the redwoods or driving at night or as the sun's going down or something like that. But this is probably a good chance for us to take a quick side trip. In recent years, Lightfoot has played this song in a medley with uh, For Love and Me, and they are very, very different songs. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on why he did that and whether or not the two songs really belong together or whether they can stand alone. Actually, I do have a thought about that. And For Love and Me is another song that we've done in my band where I'm not singing the lead, but an another male singer has been doing that. But I think in that medley in particular, I've heard Gordon talk about this, that in some ways he regretted what he said in For Loving Me, because when he looks back on it, it's not a very friendly thing to say to your uh, partner. And I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to speculate that by taking pieces of it and interleaving that with Did She Mention My Name, it might soften the blow a little bit of what the story is uh, for For Loving Me. And you're right, they're quite different. But I think they complement each other in that way. And I'll admit that before my band leader asked me to learn that she mentioned my name for our band, I had never actually listened to the whole song because I'd only heard it in the form of that medley in that little piece. So th that's my little theory on that. I can understand why he would put them together because the second one is kind of apologizing for the first one. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, the first one, as Lightfoot has said, is just so blatantly cruel and unkind that whatever you follow that with, it's not going to be enough for the attitude that happened. So it makes sense. But although I like the musical aspect of the medley, particularly on Gord's Gold, I like the way that it was orchestrated to fit together. I still do think that the two songs probably deserve to stand apart, just my particular opinion. We'll be right back to our conversation with Jim Thorne about Did She Mention My Name? But first, a word from one of our podcast partners. The world at war. Two lives in the balance. Who will live to see another day? The leader of the free world or a man falsely accused of treason? In this new dramatic audio series, A Date with Death, Helen Meeker has to make that choice and time is running out. Assigned to exposing an espionage ring operating on American and British soil, Helen must outwit bank robbers, avoid booby traps, and even have dinner with a dead man. When the date with death is over, who's picking up the check? Ace Collins' best-selling World War II novella, A Date with Death, comes to life in this production by the Long Highway Players. Available on Acast and coming soon to a podcast feed near you, A Date with Death is a proud member of the That's Not Canon podcast 
Network. Well, let's talk about the lyrics here for a second. It's so nice to meet an old friend and pass the time of day and talk about the hometown a million miles away. Now, million miles, that's hyperbole, but it's a fair distance from where you grew up. And it could also be metaphorical. I mean, you've outgrown that place, but you still wonder how things are. You probably could never live there again. Maybe you'll visit, but it's something that is definitely an element in your past. Is the ice still in the river? Are the old folks still the same? Now, this brings up a couple of questions for me. There isn't a river near Aurelia, Ontario. There are bodies of water, of course, but it's a lake. And then are the old folks still the same? Do you think he's talking about any particular old folks or just about the longtime residents of that town? I assumed that he was talking about family because I think he does that. I don't quite recall. There's another song, I think, where he asks about the old folks as well. It might be uh, Carefree Highway, but uh, this comes up more than once. So I'm wondering about his family. And also, given that he's Canadian, I'm surprised that it's not a million kilometers away, but <laughs> he uses miles, yeah. Yeah, I think there's some probably poetic license there, but I can understand why, you know, why didn't you use the metric system? It's what you grew up with. And by the way, did she mention my name? Did she mention my name just in passing? And I wonder if he really hopes that she mentioned his name just in passing or whether she really delved. I mean, I know for myself, if I've ever wondered about somebody, it's not did they mention my name in passing? Did they ask how I'm doing? Did they ask what I'm up to? Did they ask about recent experiences? Do you feel the same way? I mean, you wish that somebody would actually go into depth as opposed to saying, oh, how's Jim? I think that in the lyric, the speaker there is hoping that she still maintains some curiosity about him in the same way that he does about her. And I think he's being a little tentative and gentle in how he's asking, because perhaps he doesn't want to reveal how much his heart is still connected to her after all those years. That's the way I've interpreted it. Yeah. And it would be kind of, he's giving away too much to say, well, what did she say? You know, how did she ask? Well, you know, I really, really getting into it, you know, would probably tip his hand a little bit too much. And when the morning came, do you remember if she dropped a name or two? Well, when the morning came, doesn't that kind of imply that the old friends stayed the night or maybe they stayed up all night talking someplace? And why did she wait until the morning came before she dropped a name or two? Any thoughts on this? My picture of that is that it's a pub. Perhaps they were catching up back in his hometown in a way that they stayed up all night at the bar. And after she'd had enough, maybe then she might have said something about his name. Okay, that would make sense. So not necessarily the dawn, but maybe like last call. <laughs> maybe so, You know, after midnight. Okay, when the morning came. Okay, well, that would make sense. Is the home team still on fire? Do they still win all the games? This could be any team, but I'm going to speculate it's either hockey or baseball because um, Gordon mentioned both of those sports, particularly in the documentary. And by the way, did she mention my name? Then we get to a verse that isn't mentioned in the medley, um, but actually I really love. Is the landlord still a loser? Do his signs hang in the hall? Now, Lightfoot grew up in a house, not an apartment. And I don't know if there would have been signs in the hall. Maybe the house was rented. Is this just poetic license or is there a backstory there? Oh, I don't know for sure. But again, speculating, I think he probably knew some girl 
who was living in a place that had a landlord and she was probably complaining about him putting up restrictive signs in the hallway. Uh, so this was probably a topic of conversation that he brought up to remember that relationship. So he's talking about her landlord. Yes, yes. Okay, uh -huh. that would make sense. <laughs> That's the way I would interpret it. Okay, no, that makes sense. Are the young girls still as pretty in the city in the fall? Now that could be poetic license, or it could mean that the young girls are coming back to the city because they're going to college. I think for a lot of young men in college, you get there, but then when the girls show up, then the good times are really going to start. And, you know, maybe they seem more pretty than they did when you left, you know, in the summer or whenever. Does the laughter on their faces still put the sun to shame? I love that line. And then we get back to the chorus. When the talk ran high, did the look in her eye seem far away? Okay. Does that mean that it was imbued with a lot of emotion? Is she intoxicated? What does that phrase mean, you think? Again, I'm picturing a pub. And as I jumped again a little bit on that line before, I think high in terms of the amount of time the, the conversations have been going on for quite a while, uh, what the Irish would call crack or whatever. And, and they, by that time, will have imbibed a certain amount and the, the filters come down. So when talking high, I mean high in, as in uh, duration of time into the evening. That's the way I would have interpreted that. And as for the girls looking good in the city, I think not just college, but also once they've finished and they've gone to their jobs, if you're there at the right time of day, five o'clock, you see people coming out of their offices and you see them very dressed up. That was another image I had from that particular line. True. Although after a long day's work, there may not be a whole lot of laughter in their faces. <laughs> we'll be right back to our conversation with Jim Thorne about Did She Mention My Name? But first, a word from one of our podcast partners. As kids, we were a blank sheet of paper with no life experience. And now we are paper balls full of perfect imperfections. Join me on the Grown Up Podcast as I explore these imperfections with you and occasional guests to give a different perspective on life that will make you think just a little deeper. Along the way, we celebrate independence by catching the waves of independent musicians with the now segment, better known as Naturally on a Wave. If you're ready to smooth your imperfections so you can show up for yourself, then search Grown Up, look for the perfectly imperfect paper ball and press play tune into the grown-up podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify pandora iHeartRadio, and more oh yeah remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode okay is the old roof still leaking when the late snow turns to rain and maybe that's happening all over this particular city or in her building or in his building or someplace maybe at school and by the way did she mention my name and looking at the rain, there's a reference to another Lightfoot song that we'll talk about next season, I hope. Do you remember if she dropped a name or two? So seems to be remembering somebody fondly, which makes sense with the whole motif of the song. And then won't you say hello from someone there'll be no need to explain. Now, that's a pretty confident statement. How does he know that she's going to remember him as the one who's saying hello? Maybe the person delivering the message is going to have to give some context. But when I saw that, you know, there'll be no need to explain. I don't know. Maybe there will be a need to explain. What do you think? Well, I'll go back to what I had said earlier about him being tentative and not wanting to reveal his feelings too much. And so it could be that there's no need to explain because he doesn't want to say who it is. He doesn't want to reveal 
that he's the one that's asking about her. And if I may, about the, the landlord again, when the old roof is leaking, when the late snow turns to rain, that would be the landlord's responsibility. And if he doesn't take care of that, then he's a loser. Those are some little pieces, I think. Okay, so it's a reference back to the landlord and maybe the fact that the roof leaks makes him a loser. Right, exactly, yes. Okay, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, as I said, it appeared on the album of the same name and it was the closing track to that album. And I think it's a nice way to close it. It's also the closing song on the first side of the first album of Gord's Gold along with the medley of For Love and Me. What to you is your favorite musical aspect of the song or the form of the song? What do you like about it? Well, I was a little surprised by something when I was learning the song. And I find this quite often, um, being a folk songwriter myself, that people will hear these songs and assume that they're simplistic because they have a clear sound to them, a clear story. But there is actually some musical sophistication in there. In this case, it's a subtle thing. But the first time that he sings did she mention my name? He goes down with the melody. And then when he resolves it at the end of the refrain, which is different each time, but still it's a refrain, he then goes up. When I was learning the song, I had to be careful to do that at the right time as a cue, especially for the uh, instrumental breaks that we had in our band that we, we were doing. I hadn't thought of that, that, you know, in the first time, did she mention my name? And then ending the chorus, did she mention my name? I hadn't thought about the contrast, but that's certainly true. Is there anything in particular you liked about the original recording? I just love the finger picking. Gordon's voice has a nice vibrato in it that even Billy Joel called out at one point in, on his show on Sirius XM. He talked about trying to imitate that on a particular song. I'm sorry, I don't remember which one, but you can look that up. So you've got that beautiful vibrato, that very clear round vowel sound that you get from a Canadian accent. But then this folk style finger picking that goes back to that time inspired me to learn that. And so I would say it's, it's that combination of the light instrumental sound against his resonant and beautiful voice uh, that makes that original recording for me. Yeah. I think for me, the original recording, the thing I liked about the original recording the most was the rhythm that Herbie Lavelle gave on the drums and percussion, because it was not something that Lightfoot was using in live performances. He didn't start using that until 75, 76 when Barry Keane came along. But the fact that it was done so tastefully, that really made it for me. It complemented the guitar, as you pointed out. And then the fact that Lightfoot dubbed in his own harmonies at just the right time. He didn't overdo it. And as we know, Lightfoot wasn't using backup singers at all back in those days. I mean, maybe very rarely either Red or Rick or John Stockfish would do a harmony on some little phrase. But in this case, it sounds very much like Lightfoot dubbed in his own harmony. And he did that just perfectly. The musical sensibilities that you talked about, it makes sense because Lightfoot was a trained musician. I mean, he had gone to music school. He had always wanted to be a musician. He had the piano theory. So it made sense. And I think it was malice aforethought that he structured the melody the way he did with those choruses. Talking about the people who played on it, I don't know if you've looked at any of the people who actually played on this, but people who played on the original track, really kind of a who's who. Herbie Lavelle 
on drums and percussion. He played with people like B.B. King, Muddy Waters, and two people that you mentioned, John Denver and Bob Dylan. He was also an actor. This is the only time he played with Lightfoot. Um, he passed away in 2009. Huey McCracken played electric guitar. He was a rock guitarist and a session musician. He also played harmonica on some records. He worked with Steely Dan, Billy Joel, Roberta Flack, John Lennon, Paul Simon, The Monkees, and a whole bunch of other people. He passed away in 2013. Red Shea, of course. John Stockfish played bass. And then John Simon did the string arrangements and also produced the record. And he had gotten started with Red Rubber Ball by The Circle and then was brought in to work on music from Big Pink by the band. He worked with them on The Last Waltz. And he was brought to Lightfoot through Albert Grossman, who had been Lightfoot's manager back in the early days. So it really is quite remarkable. I mean, the people that were playing on this thing. When you saw Lightfoot in concert, Jim, did he play, did she mention my name either with or without the rest of the medley? Boy, I'm sorry. It's been almost 20 years and I don't quite remember now. If I had to pick, I'd say he probably did it as part of a medley at that time. Well, that's probably since Gord's Gold came out. That may be the only context that it's been played. Well, if he did play it, it was one of the 271 times that the song has been played in concert. The first time was in 1969 on Prince Edward Island. And then more recently, he is playing it on this tour. Uh, as a matter of fact, he played it about a week ago at the Infinity Music Hall and Bistro in Hartford, Connecticut. He played it five times in the 70s, two times in the 90s, eight times in the 2000s, no times at all in the 1980s. And the rest of the times, he's just played it in the last two decades. So it sounds like it's kind of going through a, a renaissance. We'll be right back to our conversation with Jim Thorne about Did She Mention My Name? But first, a word from one of our podcast partners. Stepping away from folk music for a second, I wanted to tell you about Newsly. It's an audio app for iOS and Android that picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the web has become listenable. You can browse articles from topics you choose and start playing the narration right away. And they have podcasts as well, trending podcasts from over 40 countries, including, of course, Carefree Highway Revisited. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in the show notes and use promo code CHR2022 to receive a one-month free premium subscription. That's www.newsly.me. And I think if I were going to go see a Lightfoot show, I'd want to hear him do it by itself. What about you? Would you like to hear him just do it without the rest of the medley? Oh, absolutely, because it's such a compelling story, and it wraps up so beautifully at the end. And again, as you pointed out earlier, it's not quite clear why he's saying, won't you say hello from someone? There'll be no need to explain. That allows the listener to just imagine what exactly he did mean at the end. So yes, I would love to hear him do it, yeah. do it separately. Fantastic. Well, the song was not released as a single. The album went to 21 in Canada, and it didn't chart in the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia or New Zealand. 
So it was not a particularly impactful album, but it had songs that were absolutely beautiful and that were going to become part of Lightfoot's repertoire as he went on. The song's been covered by at least 17 different artists. I'll forbear to list them, but have you heard any covers? And I I realize that your band covers it. Have you heard any of the professional recordings of a group or an artist doing this song? I'm pretty sure that I have. I couldn't name right off the top who that would be, but sure. One of the things that happens, of course, as you know, when you go to YouTube, if you type in the name of a song, you're going to see the original, but often you'll find cover versions of it as well. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of times it would be just people setting up their camera and saying, okay, I'm going to sing this. Um, (laughs) I was talking about the ones that had actually made it to vinyl, so to speak. But okay, uh, okay. Of course, there are tons of people who have sat down and, you know, you've done pieces of it for me also, which I appreciated. But since we're on the subject of covers, is there anybody that you wish had done this song, but hasn't or didn't? Is there anybody that you would like to hear take a crack at this? Yeah, if you don't mind, I was thinking about that question ahead of time. There's a wonderful family bluegrass band in Branson, Missouri. If it's okay to plug them here, their name are the Petersons, and they're all over YouTube. They've got millions of views. They do covers and some originals. I would love to hear them. They think for a moment about the Von Trapp family singers if they went bluegrass, and that's pretty much <laughs> what it is. They're Americans, but they, uh, they're they wonderful, and they perform all the time. I got to meet them personally at one point when they came to D.C. Anyway, there are two male singers in that band who could do it. I was thinking also... If you know who Molly Tuttle is as a bluegrass player and uh, an award-winning guitarist, she's absolutely wonderful. In this day and age, maybe it would be not inappropriate to have a female lead singing that as well. I can hear her doing that with her guitar work and the bluegrass feel to it. Yeah, I actually was thinking about what it would sound like if we either changed the pronoun or... If you kept it, depending on the way a person's heart worked or the the way somebody's affections were. But yeah, I'd kind of like to hear a female doing this. I thought of Alison Krauss and I thought of Bonnie Raitt, although she's not known for being a bluegrass or a country player. She's much more of a blues guitarist, but either of those would be fun. Now, Jim, let's say that you had the ability to book Lightfoot at Wolf Trap. And let's say that you could pick the song that he was going to open his first set with. What song do you think you would want him to do? Oh, I'd love to hear Sundown. That just gets me every time I hear the song. It's so powerful. I think that would just set the tone for the evening. Yeah, that would be a great one. And I know that he would do that once at some point in his set anyway. But to hear him open with it, I think would be just magical. Okay. Now, Jim, you're also a singer-songwriter and a TV host. So tell us a little bit more about that, about your band and about your other media appearances. Oh, well, thank you for asking. I did not plan to do any of that. (laughs) What happened was I put in a full career in the uh, United States Air Force as an officer working in the space business in uh, satellites and research and development and what they call acquisition policy. And then I got out Uh, They were very kind and sent me to lots of school. So I have three degrees in something called astronautical engineering, which makes me a rocket scientist. And then (laughs) what happened was about five, six years ago, and I'm not making this up, I had written some funny 
comedy songs in college that I had recorded and I uploaded them to the internet and a person contacted me from New York. And I thought for sure this would be a scam because it usually is, but it turned out it was not. It was an A&R guy who heard me do a song called They've Got Hogs in Indiana. And that's on YouTube as well, if you want to find it. <laughs> okay. But he, he said, that that's actually one of my most requested songs because it's hilarious, I think. But anyway, he, he said, um, you do comedy, but it's totally clean. It's all family friendly. Who does that? I said, well, thank you. He said, well, then you should try writing for children. Have you ever thought of that? And I said, no. So what I did was he challenged me to write some songs. I never heard from him back again, but he made a good recommendation. And I wrote some songs, but one of them was about space for not little kids, but more like elementary science kids to help teach them about space science and history mm -hmm. and answer the question whether kids can go into space. Well, that song, fourth grade teacher friend of mine locally asked me to come to her class right before holiday break when the kids are already mentally checked out, you know, and she yeah. just wanted some entertainment. So I came in and I said, I'll talk about space, but I have this song called The Stars Go By and whether or not kids could go to space. And she said, oh, please bring your guitar. So I went and played and the kids just went nuts. And I thought, wow, this is what I should have been doing the whole time. So I wrote a bunch more songs. I released two albums. They were both number one selling editor's picks on CD Baby when they used to have a store. Uh, they're also wow. on Amazon. Yeah. And, and then I got interviewed on a local cable station, public access TV station about space because I got connected by a buddy. And when I got on that show and did the interview and brought my guitar and played a song, the producers came to me afterward and said, you need to do your own TV show. And so what I did was I used the songs that I had written, which were actually written in a specific order to tell a story, wrote script, I built Puppet Robot, and I <laughs> created what is effectively Mr. Rogers for Space. And, <laughs> and it, it's been rebroadcast on 63 different television stations across the U.S. and won a telly, which is like an Emmy for a public access cable. And no one is more surprised than I am. And to cap this off, I've taken this same material and I'm now an official volunteer with the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum where they have me doing effectively the same thing. I keep a log and I've now performed for over 8,000 elementary students wow. in my area as well as through the museum. And so I, I hope I was brief enough for you on that. But that's, oh that's my what gosh. I, <laughs> I mean, when my wife listens to this episode, she's a science teacher in middle school. So she will be absolutely talking your language. And the next time we're back in DC, she's going to say, we need to go see Jim. We need to go see Jim. That's fantastic. Oh, oh the wow. It's called Space Quest with Dr. Jim. Okay. In case anybody wants to find it, it's all free on YouTube. Okay. Space Quest with Dr. Jim. There's a plug for you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, you're going to be reciting or performing a piece of a song for us. And was that the extra verse of... Did she mention my name? I'll start with the uh, the second verse, okay? Okay, sounds great. All right. Is the landlord still a loser? Do his signs hang in the hall? Are the young girls still as pretty in the city in the fall? Does the laughter on their faces still put the sun to shame? And by the way, did she mention my name? Did she mention my name just in passing? And when the talk ran high, did the looking in her eyes seem far away? 
Is the old roof still leaking when the late snow turns to rain? And by the way, did she mention my name? on TikTok? Does she Skype the whole night through? Does she reach the world by Twitter and react on Facebook too? If her social network crashes, would she ever be the same? And by the way, did she mention my name? Did she mention my name just in passing? And when the counting ends, did she collect more likes than any of her friends? We had CompuServe and MySpace, now there's nothing that remains, and by the way, did she mention my name? <laughs> that runs the gamut of every online service that we've had since connectivity became a thing. That's brilliant, Jim. Thank you. You're welcome. That is really cool. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to Gordon. That's just a, a lighthearted <laughs> little little experiment. No, I think I don't think he'd be offended at all. I think he'd be amused. And I think given the fact that he's a self-proclaimed Luddite, I think he might say, uh, what what was that? <laughs> I think he'd, you know, kind of wonder about it. I don't think he'd be offended at all. Well, Jim, how can people find you online? You, your music, your band, all the good stuff. Well, the main website for me and my educational programs is jimthornmusic.com. That's with an E on Thorn. So it's jimthornmusic.com. And from there, you can find links to my YouTube channel with Space Quest with Dr. Jim and all the episodes for that. The band that I'm in has its own website called shenandoahrun.com. And you'll find a, a schedule there and a, a few music links and bios and things like that. So that's pretty much it. It's just the, the one main website that I have. Fantastic. Well, Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute blast, and it's a great way to close out my first season. So thanks, and keep the tunes coming. <laughs> Will do. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Mike. And thanks for listening, everybody. If you like this well enough to listen to the whole thing, tell somebody about it. Carefree Highway Revisited is on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our website is www.lightfootpodcast.com, and our Patreon page is www.patreon.com slash carefreehighwayrevisited. You can reach me, Mike Messner, at teachermike72 at gmail.com. As you know, Carefree Highway Revisited will be taking a break for the rest of the summer, but I'll be back right around September 15th. Gary Luck is scheduled to join me for that episode, and he and I will be discussing Dreamland from the Endless Wire album in 1978. Until then, this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. We'll see you next time. It's so nice to meet an old friend and pass the time of day And talk about the hometown a million miles away Is the ice still in the river? Are the old folks still the same? And by the way, did she mention my name?
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 